Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And I'm just delighted to have a new friend with me today. Lisa Couture is an amazing lady. She's a single mom of an adult son. His name is Trevor. She's told me what a great guy he is and some exciting things happening in his life. She lives in southern New Hampshire. She's a southern girl, but still a Yankee, we would say here. Uh, She's national sales manager for a toy company. And she tells us that it was through a pretty devastating divorce about 10 years ago when she was most broken that she encountered the one true living God, Abba and her father. And she says his kindness towards her and beautiful grace was revealed to her at that time. And she can only describe it as a relentless drawing of her into his loving arms. And from there, her life began to be transformed and healed and made whole and uh, her post and her comments and things have really captured my attention. And Lisa's a reader like me and many of us. She's read many books and watches teachers and things. One book that recently impacted her greatly and me also was by my friend Catherine Toons called Marked by Love, which is a great book. And uh, she's also enjoyed a devotional book by Gretchen Rodriguez called Divine Romance, which my wife and I have read that and continue to read that, too. It was written in conjunction with the Passion Translation with Brian Simmons written about the Song of Songs, which which is just a wonderful book. Other books have impacted her, and uh, we'll talk about that probably. Most of her leisure time, she's with friends and family. She's not too far from the mountains or the ocean or from Boston, which sounds like a great place. So enough of me talking about her. Welcome, Lisa. I'm so (laughs) glad to have you with us. Uh, Yeah, thank you so much. This is so great. Good to see you. You too. And as I always do on Grace to All with Paul Gray, I like to start out by asking our guest, how has your growing and ongoing understanding of God's unconditional love and grace for everyone, how's that affected your relationships with your friends and family and people at work and everybody you're with? Uh, That's an awesome question. So I feel like the most profound thing that God has done in my heart in this place of unconditional love and grace for all is, I just remember one day he impressed upon my heart this message that really, you know, I use the word wrecked a lot of times, but, and that just describes the heart explodes inside of with love when I get this, these revelations. But he just said, you know, I'll never look into the eyes of another person that does not mirror the love of God. Uh. And is not an expression of his love. And so (laughs) the day that I felt him speak that to me, it just changed my perspective on people. 
it caused me to be less judgmental and to look at people with super compassion. And it just broke that little check in us that wants to like make a judgment on people Mm. and look at people like it says after the flesh. And it just broke that. And I just broke my heart for humanity because I wanted to just breathe life into people when I saw that, you know, it just changed my perspective. That's the telltale sign that I've noticed when people really start to understand God and God's heart is we start to see other people like he does. And it, it yeah. just, it melts us and it, uh, yeah. it takes away the, the judgment, uh, not that it doesn't rear its ugly head from time to time, but uh, takes sure. all the pressure off and the uh, it, yeah. it, it's just seeing through his eyes is, yeah, well, it's hard to describe, but it's really cool. Yeah, it changed my approach towards even ministry, to be honest with you. I kind of look at ministry very different now. I don't look at it like I have to do ministry. Hmm. I do it as a natural overflow of the love of God in me hmm. now. And, um, you know, like we've done homeless ministry locally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a couple of times in the past, couple of years, I've gone out, I've gone out more than a couple of times, but a couple of times that I'm remembering right now that were pretty profound were in ministering to people, you know, in the street. And God's taught me a lot about the value of people through ministering to people on the street. Because when you sit down next to them and you just ask them simple questions, like, you know, tell me who you are and, you know, tell me about yourself. How did you get here? And you just, you know, express like kind of concern for them and love for them. And they start to tell you and you just realize, oh my goodness, like I'm like literally one situation away from being, I could be in the same place. And you just realize they're not these outcasts, you know, they're just like you and me. But one thing I have found that this unconditional finished work love of God has done is when I minister to people now, I don't minister, I proclaim to them who they are. I tell them who God says they are. I'm thinking right off the top of my head of this man that I was speaking to, and we do this thing called the hamburger ministry. We basically go, we buy a bunch of hamburgers, and we go to a park, and we split up, and we go to minister to people that are homeless. And um, the burger is just a way of physically, tangibly loving people, but it's really, you want to get to the heart, you know? But anyways, this one man, I just he was listening to him talk to me and tell me about himself. And I just said, you know, hey, I'd love to pray for you. Can I, can I pray for something and burdens and concerns? And he's like, yeah, he's like, I, I have some court date coming up. And he said, and you know, he's like, I'm an alcoholic and I just need to stop. And you know what I do? Because my God's given me a mother's heart. <laughs> I have a mother's heart for so many, but I make them look at me in the eye and I like, like, look at me right now. And I just said, you know what? You're not an alcoholic you're a son of God and that God sees your very life right here and your alcoholic thinking and behavior is a lie you're believing that's temporarily fixing a problem that God can fix for you. You know, just that he sees you and he has purpose and plans for your life. And it's funny because every time that happens, the person starts to cry because the Lord at that time, I realized he's working and speaking to that person through me. You know, that's the ministry of reconciliation. Yeah. And God's reconciled, you know, wake up and be reconciled. So that's changed a lot. It's changed a lot. It's not me trying to get someone to a God that's separated from them. That makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? <laughs> oh my gosh, it does. And, and it's really, it's been so good for me because it causes me to explode inside with more love and compassion for people. And 
amazing. Yeah, everyone has a story. When we will take the time to sit with them, be with them, look them in the eye and and listen without an agenda of trying to fix them or whatever, and we get to hear their story, that touches our heart, of course. And uh, God uses, he gives us the words to say. And yeah, I love it when you say, look, look me in the eye and and hear this. Gosh, being able to tell people who they really are and who they've always been yeah. is so different than telling them that they're separated from God and they're all of those lies. Yeah, wicked sinners and yeah, yeah. It didn't happen that way with me. Well, tell us how this came about with you. How it, you know, you mentioned that it 10 years ago when you really encountered God. How'd that come about? You know, I grew up going to church and my mom had us in church and Sunday school and all that. And in hindsight, you know, a lot of my walk right now is looking back and God reveals things a lot of times in hindsight. Right. But anyway, I grew up with a knowledge of God in my family and I never believed in anything else. I always believed in God and I didn't believe in any other thing. And I never said I'm an atheist or anything like that. I believed in one God. He was a creator. He was powerful, et cetera. The problem was I was living under so much condemnation and brokenness, just, you know, family stuff. We all have it. We all grow up with things that break us and cause us to go into this place of fear and shame and condemnation and all that. So the problem was that I didn't have connection to God in my own heart. So I kind of lived most of my life feeling like he was an authoritarian God, and he was a distant God, and he was out there in the sky. I, call, I joke about it now. I call him the sky God. But also that he was always shaking a fist at me or pointing a finger at me because I couldn't get things straightened out in my life. And that was my vision of God. And you know, I did some things, obviously we all have, but I did some things that I felt like he could never forgive. And so that kept me feeling like he was not going to ever accept me. And I can tell you there were several places along the way that God came into my life and made himself, you know, he revealed himself to me, but there was just, I feel like a lot there and I couldn't get past it. So I just pretty much lived my life for myself. You know, I lived my life feeling separated from him. And then about 10 years ago, I, I was married for 17 years and the marriage ended. It was, you know, one of my passions today is to help people that have women that have been in broken marriages because it was devastating, you know, broke the family, broke our marriage and it broke a union, you know. And um, But I came out of the divorce and right away I felt the draw of God because I remember even then I wasn't living, quote unquote, for the Lord. But I remember speaking to people and saying, God's carrying me. Mm. And I mean, I have testimony after testimony of tangible ways God showed up in my life when I needed him desperately. I knew he was carrying me. But like what happens with so many people that go through divorce is when they come out of divorce or, you know, uh, start to experience it, they are so broken and there's so much fallout from it that you can right away start to draw towards other things to heal the broken heart and the, the, the rejection and all that. So even though I could start to feel the draw of the Lord, I was still trying to point my life in other ways to get fulfillment and to get my heart healed. So I started diving into relationships and trying to find someone that was going to take away pain, you know, but I got to tell you in that place where I was living that way, and it wasn't a very, it truthfully, wasn't a very good lifestyle for me. It was harmful, but God was still 
wooing my heart. So I laugh when people say, you know, he's separated because it's like, come on, God is not separated from us. He's always wooing and drawing. So anyway, about three years after my divorce, I had a relationship that broke and it was not a very good breakup and it devastated me. And interestingly enough, it wasn't really the relationship. I think it was the relationship breaking on top of a marriage breakup that never got healed. But in that place, it got really dark for me and I got really depressed and I never wanted to kill myself. I should say I felt like I wanted to, but I never would have because I had my son and I was like, always like, no, I have to be there for him. But, but that's how dark it got. And I reached out to a guy that I actually worked with who was a believer. And I just, I had emailed him because I was literally, I mean, I'm going to be super vulnerable here. (laughs) I was literally, I took a day off from work and I was in like my, the darkness of my room with the shades drawn. And I just emailed him and I said, would you pray for me? I'm, I'm having, I'm not in a very good place. So anyway, he sent me this quick response and he said, you know, Jesus is in you and he's holding you together. And he gave me a link to this five minute segment of a Louis Giglio word on laminin. I don't know if you've ever heard that message on laminin. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. Anyway, it was like my Damascus moment, right? The veil got lifted and the Lord like woke me up to my worth. And he had been speaking to me before that. Like I can remember in the darkness of the way I was living, I would go into the bathroom to dry my hair in the morning and get ready for work. And God was, always, I laugh because he always would speak to me in that place. And I think it's because he had my attention and God was speaking to me and he was saying things like whispering in my ear, Lisa, I have a better life for you. And you're better than this. I never felt ounce of condemnation from what God was speaking to me. It was always a drawing into the truth of who I was. And so I laughed because I never said a prayer. You know, we hear this, you know, you say a prayer and receive Jesus into your heart. And I always think about that. I'm like, God, I never said a prayer to you. You, I cannot say a prayer to God to invite him into my heart. He was invading my life. (laughs) He was just (laughs) invading my life with his kindness and his love and his goodness. And I call it the honey love, the honey love of Jesus. And that's what the experience was. He was awakening in me the truth of who I was and who I was in Christ and through various experiences. And yeah, and he woke me up and then started me on this journey. And interestingly enough, right away, what happens, right? We get ourselves plugged into a church and then we start ministry. And then it gets to be, I find what happened with me is I started getting into the works mentality of still needing to get my way into good grace with God through ministry. And, you know, a lot of that I look back now was because of this mixed message. I feel like a lot of what comes from the church and this mixed message of law and grace, you know, like, yeah, we we have grace, but (laughs) God loves you, but. And, you know, I'm not blaming anyone or pointing a finger at anyone, but there is a lot of that. And so as I started growing with the Lord in my love for him, I still was confused about was I in, was I out? Am I okay? Am I not okay? Do I need to do? Do I not need to do? And I was literally getting exhausted from some of the ministry that I was doing. And it was this orphan kind of orphan spirit. I feel like it's not a spirit, but you know what I mean? The orphan mentality of like not really being he's not a father to me. He's obviously more like a taskmaster. So having to get my way to God again through this performance-based mentality. And as part of my testimony, when I was like walking through life life with brokenness was I was an extreme perfectionist. 
because, you know, perfectionism is such a defense for people to get close to you, to see the real you, (laughs) but God sees the real you, you know? (laughs) And um, I was very confused through part of my walk about, again, my in, am I out? God, you know, can I lose my salvation? Like that was a big question a lot of times. And I would feel a physical oppression on my shoulders when people would exhort scripture sometimes, because I I know now they were literally speaking law and it would cause, I mean, it must be that yoke is easy scripture, you know, because my burden's light. If, If you're starting to feel like a yoke on you, that's not Jesus. That's not grace. That's not his love, you know? Anyway, that's what led me to that book. One of the books that is more of like a doctrinal kind of theological type book, I guess. I don't know if it's theology, but I guess it is. But just understanding the reason why I mentioned that book, and I feel like it's important, is because it was a big part of me getting free from that bondage. Which one of the books are you talking about? The Clash of the Covenants. Yeah. Okay. You know, understanding that uh, we are not under the old covenant. And much of the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, which we so often think is the Gospel, right, was him ministering and exhorting the law to Jews. And not only was it the law, but it was the law on steroids, you know, because his heart was to draw them out of their self-righteousness. And when I started to learn, you know, that like there's like one scripture that used to get said a lot about divorce. God hates divorce. Yeah. <laughs> People would say that, and I would instantly go into condemnation because I'm, I'm divorced. So, you know, you think, even though I'm saved, God must really, he must not think light of me or good of me because I've been divorced. And in fact, I was at one time thinking, okay, I'm never, I can never get married again because does my divorce line up with what the Bible says? You know, that kind of stuff was just causing confusion in my life. And so when I walked into the understanding that, no, that's not, you are under the finished work. Christ paid it all. And now he lives in me and through me and as me to the world. And I'm free. You know, it's for freedom that Christ came and all of that realization. It just unlocked the true identity of who I am. And I started to just walk out of that veil in so much freedom and so much of who I am, like who I've always been. You know, that other me was not me. That was me and false identity and the brokenness of the world and the system of the world that came against me and things I've done and things people have done against me and all the response of that, you know, but so I feel like that is an important part of this journey is that we understand, although we walk by the spirit, but understanding when we do read the word, what belongs to us and what doesn't, I think is really important. Very much so. And I can't believe how quickly this time has gone by. Oh, my. <laughs> it's almost time to finish, but I think this will be a great place to pick up if we do another episode. Uh, so if yeah. you're up for that, we'll do that and people will get to yeah. see it a week later. So, yeah. wow, uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. And gosh, this has been so good just hearing your heart and hearing your words. Yeah. Lisa, tell people how they can connect with you, where they can find you. Sure. I do have a Facebook And I think my profile is searchable, even if you don't know mutual friends. I'm not sure. I could probably check that. But so, yeah, it's Lisa. And I use my maiden name in the middle. It's Wentworth and then Couture. 
So I have a Facebook and someone could actually even private message me through Messenger and I can always connect with them that way as well. And Couture is spelled? C-O-U-T-U-R-E. Great. French Canadian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, truthfully, I don't have any in me. That's my ex-husband's name. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Good. Uh, Beautiful name. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you, Lisa. And we'll do another episode. It'll be the next one that people uh, hear a week from when uh, they see this. And thank you so much for being with us and sharing your heart. It's just been a wonderful time. Oh, thank you. Well, you're welcome. Thanks, everybody, for uh, being with us for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray and Lisa Xator. We'll be back and do it again next week. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.